Welcome to Waste Away, the intermittent fasting podcast. If you want to learn how to lose weight for life through intermittent fasting, burn fat, heal your thyroid and autoimmune issues, and break the bondage of food, then this podcast is for you. I'm Chantel Ray, author of Waste Away, the Chantel Ray Way, and each week I have different guests answering your questions. If you haven't had a chance to pick up your copy of Waste Away, visit ChantelRayWay.com slash podcast and you'll automatically get 20% off the book, audiobook, recipe book, coaching, and Inner Circle Facebook group. Remember, the thoughts and opinions in this podcast do not constitute medical advice. Hey guys, Aaron here. Before we get started, I just wanted to remind you that you can find our full podcast episodes on our YouTube channel. Not only do you get to see Chantel and our guests, but you also get to see any charts, graphs, or pictures that we may mention. Search Chantel Ray Way on YouTube or click the link in the show notes. And if you would like daily accountability as well as a resource with lots of helpful tips about Chantel's intermittent fasting lifestyle, head on over to ChantelRayway.com slash coaching. As always, enjoy the show. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode and I'm so excited. I have author and Dr. Glenn Livingston with us here Um, and he wrote a book called Never Binge Again. So that is super exciting. Glenn, tell us about this book. Well, I am not just a psychologist. I'm a guy who had a very serious binge eating problem for about 30 years. When I was a child, I was an adolescent, I discovered that because I'm 6'4 and I'm reasonably muscular, if I worked out for two, three, sometimes four hours a day, I could eat wherever I wanted to. I could have you know, six, 7,000 calories a day of multiple pizzas, boxes of muffins, boxes of donuts, lattes, chocolate, whatever you could imagine, I could fit in my mouth and dislodge my jaw. I, I really did it. And I didn't think it was a problem. I was kind of proud of the ability at the time. So that was my adolescence. But when I got married and I went to graduate school and I had patients and all these responsibilities, I found that I wasn't able to stop even though I couldn't spend three, four hours a day exercising, two, three, four hours a day exercising. And unfortunately, the mental obsession continued. I was still having probably five or 6,000 calories a day and I got heavier and heavier and heavier. I discovered there was really a complex relationship between emotions and overeating. So I did a big study. I got 40,000 people over a course of many years, back in the days when the internet clicks were cheap, I got them to take a survey about the things that they couldn't stop eating and various emotional conflicts in their life, life satisfaction, emotional conflicts, personality variables. And I found three really interesting things. The first thing that I found was that people who struggled with chocolate, like I did, tended to be lonely or brokenhearted. Okay. Kind of makes sense. I was in a bad marriage and struggling with that. And people who struggled with salty, crunchy things tend to have stress at work. And people who struggled with chewy, starchy things tended to have stress at home. Mm. And I thought, okay, so you find out what people struggle with them and you zero in on the issue. And, and some people, people might struggle with all of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then they're people. eating all of them, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So I went to my mom, and this, this really illustrates the story. I went to my mom and I said, mom, you're a therapist and you raised me. What is it in my upbringing that would send me running to chocolate whenever I'm feeling lonely or brokenhearted? She got this horrible look on her face. This was just a little bit before she died. And she said, Glenn, I, I'm embarrassed to tell you, but 
when you were a little boy, my father had just gone to jail. And I was so depressed and disillusioned. I adored him my whole life. I had no idea that he was doing these kind of things. And he was guilty. It was not a mistake. He was guilty. And I was horribly depressed. And your father was a captain in the army and they were going to send him to Vietnam. And I was horribly depressed about that. So sometimes you would come running to me and you'd be crying or you'd need a hug or maybe you needed some healthy food. But I didn't have the wherewithal in me, in me to give that to you. So what I did is I kept a refrigerator on the floor with a big bottle of Bosco chocolate syrup. I'm dating myself by giving the brand name. And I say, Glenn, go get your Bosco. And you go <laughs> crawling over the thing, you're crawling over to the, um, the refrigerator and you take out the Bosco and you suck on it and you go into a chocolate sugar coma. And I thought, well, Eureka, this is the, this is the match that struck the fire. Now I can solve this thing. And some people like, you know, I remember my mom used to when I was like, if I had come home from school and I'd have a bad day, she'd be like, let's go go shopping and let's go get some ice cream or right. go shopping and let's go out to eat. Like going out to eat literally was like our reward and we would go out to eat or we'd go out for ice cream or we'd go out for dessert or whatever it was and we all knew we joke about how that would cheer us up oh i had a bad day let's go shopping and go get something to eat yes yes and those patterns get really deeply ingrained now if this yeah. were the movies when i talked to my mom about that we would have had a good cry and a good hug and then i never would have had trouble with chocolate again right if this but let movie. me ask you this like i mean that's the syrup is, I, I'm like, it's not like a bar of chocolate. What would you do? Just like, <laughs> I'm kind of confused. Would you literally just take syrup and just Apparently like. Apparently I did. Apparently Chantel, I did. I, I was only one, <laughs> one year old, so I wasn't there to document it. But um, that's I, funny. I, I don't remember it myself. Well, let's get right into our questions. Um, this first question is from Jill in Arizona. She says, I am a massive snacker. I love to snack, and once I start eating, I have a really hard time stopping eating. That's why I do really well if I open my window at night and not during the day. Because once I start eating, I just want to keep on eating. But then at night, I feel like I overeat because I waited too long to eat and then I'm hangry. Which do you think is better? So well, start with you and then I'll, you give your opinion and I'll give mine. Okay. One of the things that we know about nighttime eating is that it is usually a residual from not necessarily having planned things out well enough during the day and not taking good enough care of yourself during the day. See, what, willpower is a fatigable muscle. It's not like an on-off switch. There is only so much, there are only so many good decisions we can make over the course of the day. So by the time the evening comes, your ability to make good decisions about food is, is kind of kaput. So it would be better if you planned out what you were going to have in the evening and maybe put some Tupperware aside or a couple of bags or boxes or whatever it is you want to have and you know organize it think through where does that fit in your nutritional plan what's the window that you're going to open to to do that and work it out at that time instead of um instead of waiting until the night time and then just being surprised that it that it got to you by the way it's not only food decisions that wear people down because i know with intermittent fasting a lot of times people are not eating during the day it's every decision they they give people difficult math problems and then they find that they have more trouble resisting marshmallows afterwards. 
when you <laughs> that's funny i like that yeah it is funny it's, it kind of rings true there right yeah yeah it is and and that's that is what you just said is exactly why i love intermittent fasting because what happens is is what what you just said is you you only have so much willpower and then at some point you go okay well i you know, I want to eat that pizza or I want to eat this or, you know, I, I want to have that. Well, that's the nice thing with intermittent fasting. You are exercising some willpower on not eating, but then when you can eat, um, you are able to eat what you want and what your body is, is craving. And you're not saying, okay, I can't have that. And so my, my question to Jill would be, you know, the, one of the principles that I really talk about is eating when you're hungry and not eating when, when you're physically hungry, you eat when you're not physically hungry, you don't. And so the question is, is when you're eating and when you're snacking, are you truly hungry at the time that you're snacking? Or is it because you're bored or stressed or mentally hungry and filling that void? Um, I for me, I don't do well when I snack either. So I truly, for me, I basically eat, you know, two meals a day. I eat my lunch and then I eat my dinner. When I start snacking, I can get into that rut of eating when I'm not hungry. So for me, I try not to snack because the only time that I do snack is when I do like 30, 30 minutes before I'm about to eat. I might have something high protein, like some almonds or something like that to calm me down because I don't want to be so, so hungry when it is time to eat that I just kind of go crazy. So, all right, let's go to our next question. This is from Annabelle in North Carolina. She says, I feel like I'm doing fantastic with my weight loss and this podcast motivates me every day. I've noticed that I'm losing a lot of weight in my arms and my legs but my stomach still has a lot of fat in it. I really don't need to lose any more weight in my arms and my legs, but my belly has always been my trouble area. Are there any exercises or tricks that you recommend to target this? What would you say to that, Glenn? Well, I personally don't, have never seen successful spot reducing. I, I certainly think it's healthy to develop a strong core. So, you know, I do yoga and CrossFit for that reason. I, I do not have a six pack. It's, um, it's more like a 42 pack, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I, I, you know, we all have our trouble spots and it tends to come off proportionally after a certain point. So I, I wish I, I wish I had that expertise to tell you how to spot reduce, but I'm afraid I just don't. I'm sorry. Yeah. And I, I would say, you know, that, you know, really, you know, 90% of your results um, are coming from your nutrition. Um, you know, some people say 70% comes from diet, 30% comes from exercise. Some people say 90% comes from nutrition, 10% comes from exercise. Um, but I think the bottom line for me is I would ask yourself, how much sugar are you eating? Um, would be one of my questions. Um, like how much alcohol and sugar, because I see people who are struggling with their that midsection, they're maybe having too much alcohol and too much sugar 
Um, and I would just ask yourself, are you eating on the, you know, 80 to 20%, you know, is 80% of your diet clean and 20% kind of whatever you want? All right, let's move on to the next question. This is Catherine in Tampa. She says, I'm getting discouraged because I feel like I'm taking two steps forward and one step back. I feel like I'm, you know, she's getting two pounds that she's uh, gaining and then losing three pounds, gaining three, or losing two, gaining. Yeah, because she keeps changing her mind. Going yeah. back, back and forth. It says it averages out to be a pound a week that I'm losing, but the up and down is so frustrating. And yes, I'm weighing myself at the same time every day, LOL. Is there anything I should be doing differently? Well, first of all, you need to be aware that we are all of us of two minds when it comes to our, our overeating behaviors. There is the part of us that wants to do it and the part of us that doesn't. And the part of us that wants to do it is usually resident in the lizard brain, which is the earliest like, survival part of the, our neuroanatomy, which is what the large industries target with their concentrated forms of sugar and salt and fat and oil and excitotoxins and all packaged up in such a um, artificially attractive way and advertised as if you can't live without it. And so people often have the experience of being dead sure that they're going to stick with something for weeks or months until they hit their goal week. And then on Monday afternoon, they're at Starbucks and there's a chocolate bar at the counter and they're thinking, well, chocolate grows in a coca bean, the coca bean comes from a plant, so therefore it's a vegetable and, or whatever other crazy rationale in their head makes it okay to do that. So recognize that you're of two minds. And the part of you that wants to continue the overeating or the, the old unhealthy way of eating, that part of you wants to collect evidence of failure. That, that part of you is going to look at every pound you gain, every time you, you make a decision to, we have a reversal of intent when you decide to go off your diet or you know, just screw it for today. It's going, it's going to look at that and say, see, I got you again. There's no point in continuing to try to lose weight because I'm always going to get you. Yes, exactly. Or you could say, I'm going to collect evidence of success. Well, okay, I lost three pounds and I gained two pounds last time, but you know what? I caught it a little earlier. Maybe I only gained a pound and a half and I'm going to look more carefully at what I did. I'm just going to gain a pound next time. Or, you know, gee, I only had five cupcakes instead of 15 this last time. Every time you collect more evidence of success, you foster your success identity, even when you're pulling that success out of a failure. So that's, that's the primary thing as a psychologist I would recommend is that you focus on collecting the evidence of success rather than the evidence that you keep changing your mind. Mm, I, I love that analogy that you just gave. And I will give another analogy that's very similar to that. So one of the things that a friend of ours was talking, we were on a walk and she said, okay, let's say that we were going from your house. Let's say I started at my house, but I was trying to go to her house. Her name is uh -huh. Kristen. And so let's say we were, I'm here walking, 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 and I accidentally took two steps back. If I took two, you know, I just kind of fell and I took two steps back. If my goal is to get to her house and I took two steps back, I wouldn't go all the way back. Right, to right, right. <laughs> then right. to go to her house, right? Yeah. 
So what happens is, is when people are walking forward and they're making that forward progress, when they take a couple steps back, a normal person just goes straight forward and, and goes back towards that goal. But people who struggle, they take a cup, they fall back a couple steps and what do they do? They end up going all the way back here because, you know, in their mind, oh my gosh, I took a couple steps back instead of going, oh, I took a couple steps back. And that's, thin people do that all the time. I mean, when I'm interviewing all these thin women, they gain a couple pounds as well. They might go, there's no person on the earth that doesn't go, okay, I might gain a couple pounds here or there. But as soon as they do gain a couple pounds, they start moving in this direction, heading that way Uh instead of falling backwards. So that would be my, my suggestion and great job. Like she's saying, she's still saying I'm, I, you know, she's, if she's losing three and gaining two, that's still, she's still losing a pound each week. That's something to celebrate. Like that's very much, that, very much so. Let's celebrate on that. And the other thing I like to tell people is there's so many factors that come into consideration for weight gain. You know, how much you're pooping, how much you're peeing, how much you're drinking, how much you're eating. You know, when you're eating high carb and high salt foods, that causes water retention. Um, and so you, you know, I think sometimes the scale really sets people back when they get on it and it puts you like in a slump and you have to kind of say to yourself, all right, I had a little, I might've had too much salt. I might've not pooped. You know, there's other things than just straight weight gain that can go into that. May I make two more comments on that before we go on? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, so first of all, to the last point, or just the last point, there are sites these days that will remove the statistical noise from your weight calculations. And you can hook them up to internet scales. So all you have to do is get on the scale and then log in and you'll see the results. If you weigh yourself every day for 30 days at roughly the same time, it'll show you the trend as opposed to getting you focused on the daily weight. And then That's people, people don't have this. Uh, one of those sites is called trendweight.com. I believe I have no relationship with them. I just recommend them. Okay, great. That's okay. great advice. The other thing I wanted to say, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. The other thing I wanted to say was that in the book, I give the example of if you accidentally chip a tooth, you don't go get a hammer to bang the rest of them out. You just, you just get up and you go fix the tooth. Oh, I like that analogy. Yeah. Yeah. That is a great one. Yeah, that's great. If you touch a hot stove, you don't say, oh my God, I'm a compulsive hot stove toucher. I might as well put my whole hand on it. You just feel the pain for a minute and you figure out how did you miss it? How are you going to avoid touching it in the future and and let it go? That's great. Hey guys, I'm so excited that my new book, Waste Away, the Chantel Rayway is now available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and pretty much anywhere you can find books. But we also have the audio book, the ebook, and my new recipe book that you can download all the recipes that I love that I make and it's super cheap. It's all my favorites. Anyway, if you have a minute to write a review on Amazon, I would be ever grateful. Um, Okay, Erica in Norfolk, she says, I've been doing intermittent fasting successfully for about three weeks, but now I'm having trouble sticking in my window and I'm craving all kinds of foods and stuff. Any tips for me? I feel like it should be getting easier and not harder. So what kind of things do you have where, where she's just craving all kinds of foods that... Um, maybe she doesn't want to be eating. What would you say to that? Well, let me just give the disclaimer that I'm not a nutritionist or a medical doctor, but I do have, I do have a lot of ideas. 
Yes. Behind every craving for something that you know is not healthy, for some artificial food, is genuinely an authentic need, an authentic physiological need. So for example, one of the ways that I beat my chocolate cravings was to drink a green smoothie with a couple of bananas in it every time I had a craving. And it did not get me as high as the chocolate got me. Chocolate's actually a drug. It, it's fine for some people, for me it really wasn't. So it didn't give me the same high, but it took away the craving. It killed the craving and I was content. You know the difference mm. is like, so I wasn't manic, but I was content. With, with um, if you're craving things that are salty, Doug Graham taught me that that usually is a deficiency of minerals that you need to get from leafy greens and vegetables. You're probably not having enough leafy greens and vegetables in your system. And if you look at our closest evolutionary cousins, like the bonobos, they, they eat a lot of leafy greens. And we, we have to force ourselves to have a salad. So sometimes I tell people, get a half a pound of leafy greens, put them in a blender with some water and just drink it down like medicine. Don't worry about making a whole salad. Just drink it down like medicine. Then take a breath and tell me, do you still have those cravings? That can make a big difference. Um, sometimes the chlorophyll can make a big difference. Sometimes people are craving the, the carbohydrates, but they would be better off to get them in nature's natural form as opposed to, you know, refined starches and sugars and a lot of the things that, um, a lot of things we know are causing sugar metabolic problems. So I, I look for the authentic need first. Then beyond that, I ask people, what role would you like this food to play in your life? Let's say you're craving a bagel. Do you want to have bagels twice a week? Do you want to never have a bagel again? What role do you want the bagel to play in your life? And why? I know that your inner lizard brain says it's impossible to do that. But let's say you could just have a bagel twice a week for the next three years. What do I see in your life that's different in three years than is now? What, what actually has changed because you've got control over that? Look at your, not only your weight and your skin and your joints and your health, but look at your energy level and your relationships and the clothes that you wear. And for some people, even their finances because they have more energy to do work. Look at the whole, look at the totality of what's waiting for you if you do go with that. Let me show you. So these are some... These, they're called grain-free tortilla chips. The uh -huh. grain is uh, siete, uh -huh. and they're made with avocado oil, and the, the ingredients are super, super clean. So they have cassava flour, which is a vegetable. They have avocado oil, coconut flour, ground chia seeds, and sea salt. And they are actually, I think, one of uh, the healthiest chips out there if you're going to have chips, right? Um, and it's funny because one time I ate these chips and really, I don't know what it was, I was craving Doritos, okay? So I was craving Doritos. I ended up eating this bag of chips and I ended up having like three servings of these chips because I just kind of was like eating not carefully and mindfully. And so then another time I was craving Doritos and I ended up eating Doritos, the actual Doritos, which Doritos are just filled with chemicals. It's not something I eat all the time. But if I want a couple of them, I ended up eating four Doritos and I was fully satisfied and I 
put it away. Uh So, you know, what my philosophy is, is if I can eat these and be fully satisfied like I was with those Doritos, then great. You know what I mean? But there's, there's other times where it's like, for whatever reason, I just want a Dorito and I can have like four Doritos and kind of, you know, be done with it. But it's really all right in my mindset of where I'm, you know, if I feel like I can eat these healthy chips, that's going to be my, and it's going to satisfy whatever it is that I'm craving at that time. And then other times I might just have to eat, you know, three or four Doritos and, and I can be done with that. Mm-hmm. Well, and, the thing is, and that's a very individual thing. And the thing is you figure yeah, that out for you yourself. You have to figure that out. Yeah. For yourself. Okay. Uh, let me see what other questions I have here. Here's Susan in Maiden, North Carolina. Um, she said, do you use ashwagandha? If so, does it actually work? I heard it speeds up the metabolism and helps in fat burning. So ashwagandha, do you know anything about this herb at all? Just barely. I I had a doctor suggest that I do it for a while and it, I am extraordinarily sensitive to any kind of a stimulant. And so my Mm -hmm. heart was beating a little faster and I, I don't know if I lost weight because of it or not. I, I lose weight. Like I'm kind of near the top of my range now. I need to go back down about eight pounds. I lose weight when I concentrate on whole, fresh, right for our natural foods. That's, Mm -hmm. that, that's when I lose weight. I gain weight when I start having the more concentrated starches or oils or uh, Mm -hmm. sugars. It's, it's really that simple for me. It's, it's a matter of what percentage of my diet is, is whole and fresh and natural. That's that's what works for me. I'm sorry if I don't have a really good answer. For yeah, and I, I've actually never used it. Um, when we got this question, um, I just Googled it and I looked up that ashwagandha is an, it's an herb and it helps. A lot of people use it for anti-anxiety or antidepressant. Um, or oh, really? Yeah, or even okay. to regulate their thyroid. Um, I know that it can lower your cortisol levels, um, but honestly, I've never used it. And I, I'm the same exact way. I really try to just not use the, the things that I use are like things that most people have heard of, like vitamin D, you know, fish oils, things like that. I, there's not too many that people haven't heard of that I use. Um, but if it's kind of like a fad thing, I usually just don't even try to go there. Okay. Here's another question. It's from, it looks like Alejandra or maybe it's Alexandra, Alejandra in North Carolina. I apologize if I said that wrong. She said, hi, I'm so glad I found your podcast. It's helped me so much. Um, I have not listened to all your podcasts and maybe you've answered some of my questions, I have been doing intermittent fasting for a while on and off, and I tried to get back on it as soon as I stopped breastfeeding my son. And for some reason, it's been hard. It's been a year and a half. I've tried to recommit myself. I really want to to close my eating window to five hours to reach my goal of losing 20 pounds. I'm going to skip down because this is a really long question. So she says, 
I now try to eat from 1 to 6 p.m. Any tips or suggestion that can help me stick to my window of eating on a busy day? And number two, how can I work on my thoughts so that I'm not, so that when I'm not eating, I'm not stressed? Yeah. Um, okay. Well, let me just insert here that if anybody has a serious eating disorder, you know, bulimia, anorexia, binge eating disorder, I actually recommend that they don't have too small of a window for intermittent fasting because there seems to be some mechanism in the brain that says if food is not available for a long period of time, that when it is available, we should hoard it. Mm -hmm. for, especially for binge eaters or anorexics or bulimics who were triggered by a period of excessive dieting, it mm -hmm. seems like they've triggered that mechanism and the cure for that is not a progressively more restricted window. The cure for that is, in my estimation, I shouldn't say yeah. cure, because, but in my estimation, the cure for that is, is very regular feeding, signaling the body that there's constant nutrition available on a regular basis, that there's never going to be too long a period where you're going to have a, a fast because you go into the feast and famine cycle. This is not to negate the incredible benefits of the of, yeah. you know, fasting for those periods. I agree with that. I agree with that. If you're having a problem, I agree a hundred percent. If you're having a problem with binge eating and you're going all day long and then every time at night you're then binge eating, then you definitely need to extend your window because to me, the number one thing that we have to get rid of is the, the binge eating. Yeah. We've, got to get, we've got to get to the point where we are not binge eating ever. And I'd rather you make a longer window or having more times to eat if once you are eating, you're getting out of control. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Thank you uh, for saying that. That's what, what, great, what, great. what was the second part of the question? The second part of the question was, how can I work on my thoughts so that it, the, the question does not make how can I work I, on my thoughts so that I'm not eating because of stress? Oh, there we go. Well, I've got a mantra that I tell my clients um, who say that they eat because of stress. So if you, if you have seven problems and then you overeat, then you have eight problems. Oh, I love that. That's yeah. so good. It's like, what's that? 99 problems, but uh, I won't say that. This is a clean version. <laughs> we need a song. Oh my gosh, Glenn, we need a song. I got 99 problems, but eating ain't one, right? There you That's go. where we want to get to. There you go. That's so good. I love that. Yeah. So you, you can tell yourself that. You can tell yourself that if you're going to... This kind of goes back to the completion of my story where I discovered you can't really love yourself thin, which it's more like capturing and caging or capturing and dominating that lizard brain, like a, like a rabbit animal, and recognizing that, see, there's no love in the lizard brain. In, in our evolution, the lizard brain looked at something in the environment and it said, do I eat it, do I mate with it, or do I kill it? Eat, mate, or kill. It's the mammalian brain and the upper brain that really houses our human identity, that cares for our loved ones and tribe and family. The lizard brain is more sociopathic. The reason that's important and relevant to the question is because when that lizard brain urge comes up, oh my God, we're so stressed out, the only thing we can do is eat, 
you know, two bowls of pastas and a pizza and, and a bar of chocolate, uh, and you have to give it to me now, you can actually at that moment act like an alpha wolf dealing with a challenger. And you can say something along the lines of, well, get back in line or I'll kill you. You can't actually kill a lizard brain, but you can, you can growl at it. You can enjoy depriving the lizard brain. You say, look, you've ruined my life up until this point. You've mm. maybe eat things that I shouldn't eat. You've changed my, you've ruined my best laid plans. You've prevented me from achieving my health and fitness goals. You've prematurely aged me. You might've given me diabetes or heart disease or whatever it is. Yeah, you're talking, you're out loud saying all these negative things that overeating has done to you in the past. Yeah. And you're saying, no, we're not gonna go there again. We're not going there, get back in your cage. That's exactly oh my gosh, so yeah. I, I have a really good analogy for that. Actually, one of our guests that's going to be coming on uh, in our next episode, uh, her name's Heather. She's lost 30 pounds uh, doing intermittent fasting and the waste away plan. Uh, but she, one of the things that she said was that she, when she has hard conversations at work, when someone's being real negative, she goes like this. She goes, I'm going to stop you right there. We're going to take that off the table. Now, what else do you want to talk about? You know, so let's say they're saying they're complaining about coworkers. They're complaining about this. They're complaining. She goes, I'm going to stop you right there. We're going to go ahead and take that off the table. Now, what else do you want to talk about? Mm. And it's so funny. My mom is a, actually a Christian counselor. And she says she's got, so I told her that story. And she says that she has patience now that she said, I love that story so much because she has some patients that keep talking about the same thing over and over. And she had to kind of go to them. Okay, I'm going to stop you right there. We're going to take that off the table. What else do you want to talk about? And yeah. sometimes you have to do that. You have to go, you know, I'm going to stop you right there. We're not going to go back into these crazy shenanigans that we've been doing over and over again and using this food for other reasons than fuel for our body. I love that. That is. Can I also say yeah. that to extend what you're saying and then go to one more point about this because it's really an important point. If you have a child that's asking you, mom, can I have a candy bar? 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 At an inappropriate time, you know that if you give her the candy bar, that's going to reinforce her doing that again in the future, right? Mm -hmm. And if you don't give the candy bar, eventually the behavior becomes useless. You don't have to yell at her. You don't have to, you just have to ignore it long enough that she stops doing it. And eventually she doesn't, I mean, you can also try to think about what she really could want, what she really could have, but eventually the annoying behavior stops. Every craving is an opportunity to either reinforce or extinguish your addictions. You can't get rid of a craving for a bagel without having a craving for a bagel. So you could welcome that opportunity. You could say, this is terrific. I'm having a craving for a bagel. Let me take a deep breath. Let me sigh it all out. Let me get out of fight or flight mode because that's what a craving is. It's your fight or flight system being activated as if there's an emergency. So let me get out of fight or flight mode. Let me let it go. Let me say, you're going to have to suffer without the bagel. And isn't this a wonderful opportunity because I know that by allowing this craving to pass today, it's going to get easier tomorrow. If I reinforce it, the craving will be back with new vigor tomorrow. That's, that's just how our neurological system works. It never stays the same. You're either always reinforcing behaviors or extinguishing them. That's, that's how it works. Yeah, 
That's great. Um, and I would say to her, back to what I said, another thing that I, I do want to say here is that, again, if you are having a smaller window, and I end up losing a lot more weight when I end up making a smaller window, but if you are having a problem with binge eating, I recommend you doing something, what I call is using a binge saver. And this is when I have something with high protein like almonds or celery or peanut celery with peanut butter or, um, you know, a boiled egg or something small, but I eat it about 30 minutes before I'm about to eat and it helps calm me down so that I'm not ravenous when I'm starting to eat that meal. So you're, st you're stabilizing, stabilizing your blood sugar, right? That's yeah, I'm just stabilizing myself, calming myself down. And the other thing is I did create a quiz on ChantelRayWay.com slash emotional eater. Um, and it's a quiz and it's, it basically identifies what causes you to eat and provides some helpful tactics to take control of your eating. And so if you go to ChantelRayWay.com slash emotional eater, that, um, can kind of help you as far as emotional eating. All right, let's go on to our next question. This is Jenna in Vermont. She says, I've always heard that you should weigh yourself as often as possible to try to keep your weight consistent and hold yourself accountable. Lately, I've been binge listening to all of your podcasts over and over and it really helps me. I've noticed several different opinions on the scale. One guy said I should throw it out the window and not worry about it. And then other people say on your show that you should weigh yourself to keep yourself in check. So what's the deal? Should I toss the scale out or weigh myself every once in a while? And if so, do you have a scale that I can recommend? What is your opinion on that? Okay. So I researched this fairly carefully as I was developing my coaching program and writing my book. And I have a very strong opinion on it. Okay. First of all, first of all, the research is all over the board. So mm -hmm. there are some resources that says that people do better with weighing themselves. Some resources says they do worse. So that kind of leaves us to use common sense and decide for ourselves how we want to approach it. For me, common sense says that more data is better than less data, that it's easier to clean up small messes than, than big messes. I noticed when I got divorced that if I cleaned up a little every day, you know, don't put it down, put it away the big messes didn't really appear. But if I didn't do that and I waited till the end of the week to clean up, it seemed like my apartment was a wreck. If you look at Stephen Covey's analogy of an airplane that flies from New York to Los Angeles being off course 99.9% .9 of the time, the only reason they can get from New York to Los Angeles is because they're constantly monitoring and making little corrections every time it falls off course. I don't want to wake up in a month and find out that I gained five pounds. I would rather wake up tomorrow and find out that I gained a half a pound and make an adjustment to fix it right away. The problem with it is that there is a lot of statistical variation due to all the things you talked about before. You know, have you pooped enough? Did you have enough salt? Or did you have too much salt? Did you drink enough water? What time of day is it? What are you wearing? There's so many different things that factor into that. But you can smooth all that out with a site like trainweight.com. We're just using a spreadsheet to look at the, the moving average that, that I think it's much better to know than not to know. I don't want to drive a car with a blindfold over the window. So mm -hmm. I, I like that analogy. Yeah. Yeah. I recently purchased the Nokia body cardio scale and I love it. It measures your weight. It measures your muscle, bone mass and water, but 
I don't think that those are right. You have to be really careful with those. Like I actually know they're not right. Um, but I do like how I don't have to do anything. So literally what I do is I get on the scale and it tracks it for me on my iPhone. There's nothing I have to do. And then again, I do the same thing. I go, if I gain, because here, here's the bottom line. Some, sometimes I've heard people say, oh, I, gained, I went on the scale and I gained four pounds the next day. Well, gaining four pounds in one day is pretty much not impossible, but you would have had to be gorging and exhort, because if you think of one pound as 3,500 right. calories, Right. You would be eating an exorbitant amount of food. So for the most part, we are talking a lot about water and salt and sodium. And so um, I just think that for me, I, I probably weigh myself every other day, every three to five days, um, sometimes every day. It just, it just depends on kind of where I'm at. I definitely think, you know, once a week um, would be a, a reasonable amount of time. You have to figure out what works for you, but the key is mentally not getting upset when it goes up a couple pounds. And, you know, I always weigh myself when I'm feeling a little bit thinner anyway. <laughs> if I'm feeling a little bit heavier, I'm like, oh, I don't want to like, I'm not going to get on the scale right then. But I would say there's, I don't wait more than about three to five days, maybe a week before I'm weighing myself. All right, Barbara in Charleston. She says, I've currently lost 14 pounds doing all the principles in Chantal Rayway, but I didn't work out at all. I really want to start doing to working out. So I, I joined Orange Theory and started doing some heavy lifting at the YMCA. I love the feeling I get from working out, but it's really stalled my weight loss for a couple weeks. Do you think it's because I'm working out or do you think it's unrelated? Or do you think I need to switch something up with my eating? What would you say to that? Um, usually that's because the person hasn't put enough research into their recovery meal. That the, the workout makes you hungrier without you really realizing that that's the case. And it's easy to overcompensate for that without thinking about it. Also, the recovery meal needs to take place within an hour of the workout so that you're muscles can reabsorb the you know, glycogen and proteins and things that they need. So I would, I would do a little more research on what specifically might constitute a recovery meal for you, for the type of workout that you're doing, and make sure that you're having that within a half an hour to an hour after the, after the workout takes place, and a very specific measured amount, and then eat normally the rest of the day in the way that you have been. That's, that's my first point yeah. of intervention in that situation. And my advice for you is, you know, we're doing something called um, coaching at ChantelRayway.com slash coaching because we really need some more information here. One of the things we do on the coaching is we literally text you each day, have you kind of see when you're eating, have pictures of what you're eating. Um, and so it'll give us a better answer on how we could answer that because, um, a lot of times, like you said, a lot of times people, when they do start working out, they feel like they're hungrier and they do start eating more. Um, but then they're actually not expending as much calories as they right. they are, right. you know? Right. 
Yeah. You're thinking, oh my gosh, a lot of times people, you know, I don't agree with a lot of these watches and a lot of these, you know, systems on the machine. In their mind, they're thinking, oh my gosh, I just burned 500 calories. And that gives them an excuse to eating a lot more. So I'd love to see exactly how your eating has changed and how much you're eating as well. You know, I, I, I hiked all 48, 4,000 foot mountains in New Hampshire. Uh-huh. And I thought I would have lost weight doing that, but... I was of the theory that I could eat whatever I want to after a hike. And yes. I, it was really easy to compensate for that pretty quickly. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you haven't had a chance to get this book, uh, Never Binge Again by Dr. Glenn Livingston, um, I suggest you go get that book. And Glenn, how do they get this book? What's the best way for them to get a copy of this? You know, the best way is to go to neverbingeagain.com and click on the big red button to get the free reader bonuses. When Good, and do you have any other tools on there as well? I do, I do. So we'll give you a free copy in Kindle, Nook, or PDF if you want the paperback or the Audible. So look, guys, you can get it free if you want it in Kindle, Nook, or PDF. You can, and, you, and it's available in paperback and audio. When you go there, we will also give you a set of recorded sessions so you can hear how this strange theory of fighting your inner pig might work in practice. It sounds kind of harsh in theory, but it works really well in practice. Yeah. And we'll, and we'll give you a bunch of food plan starter templates. We didn't talk a lot about the kind of rules you can create, but when you read the book, you realize you're going to need some starter templates to come up with your own set of rules. And our, our premise is to be diet agnostic. We'll help you stick to the diet of your choice. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing to figure out what works for you the one thing that i would be i do want to say that we we um say right here and i've said this before on a podcast i um i had a friend this you'll enjoy this i had a friend that i hadn't seen in probably about a year and she had gained 80 pounds i mean it was an exorbitant amount of weight i mean she looked like a different person i barely even recognized her when i saw her again and she said to me i said well you need to read i said you need to read my book and she goes well i already know what diet works for me and she says the only diet that works for me is keto and i looked at her and i said have you been doing keto for the last year she said yes i said do you hear what you're saying right now i mean i would I had a good relationship with her so I could say this to her. I said, listen to what you're saying. I said, you've gained 80 pounds since the last time I've seen you. And you're telling me the only diet that works for you is keto. And you've been doing it for the last year and gained 80 pounds, right? So sometimes people need to take a step back and go, okay. And, and when I said that to her, literally a light bulb went off and she then read my book, of course, and she's now lost, you know, over 20 pounds. Um, but it was that aha moment that these lies that people say to themselves, yeah. the only diet that works for me is keto. And now you just gained 80 pounds doing it. Do you, but see what she, in her mind, she would lose it and then she'd gain it and then she'd lose it and then she'd gain it and lose it and gain it and lose it and gain it. Why? Because she never could stick to it. So, all right. Well, again, um, this was such a joy and we're so grateful to have you on and go ahead and you guys can get your free copy of this book. And, and, um, we just thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thanks for having me on Chantel. All right. See you guys next time. Bye-bye. Okay.
Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a review on iTunes to get this podcast out to others that may have the same questions that you do. And as always, if you have a question that you want answered, email those to questions at chantelrayway.com. And if you would like daily accountability as well as a resource with lots of helpful tips about Chantel's intermittent fasting lifestyle, head on over to chantelrayway.com slash coaching. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.